Hey, it's Luke here. I just want to tell you about a new podcast I'm involved in, which is called The C Word. Six weeks ago, my eldest brother Lee was diagnosed with stage 4 brain cancer. It is the type of news that stops you and your family in your tracks and offers a fairly sobering reminder of what this life is about. Over those six weeks, we've had many a conversations trying to understand this new health challenge and the road ahead. And as easy as it would be to fall into a heap and give in early with such difficult news, I asked my brother what he needed from me most. Outside of the obvious and much needed support for him and his family, he said, most importantly, I just need to focus on beating this with optimism. So with a desire to support in a way that benefits him, educates us, and hopefully informs those we don't know, we decided to create this podcast that could tell that story as it unfolds, capturing the highs, the lows, the unknowns, and hopefully plenty of optimism along the way. To come on the journey, search The C Word on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts free. Welcome to Itch. My name's Luke. I'm 32 years old, and I'm from Australia. I've spent my life with an insatiable curiosity, an itch, if you will, and a need to understand more. There is a clear desire for so many of us, irrelevant of background, ethnicity, or sexuality, to live more authentically and to seek out an alternative narrative to that which currently exists. I use my stories to take you on a journey where I've challenged my own truths through the ability to ask more questions than I have answers maintaining a great sense of humor, always viewing the world through a lens of empathy, but most importantly, to live in the gray. These attributes have assisted me to seek out different perspectives and to create a life that is more flourishing and progressive for me and, well, hopefully for those around me. So if you're interested to know more, welcome to Itch. Lesson number seven, you are more than just your sexuality. Now, this lesson is going to be more of a story. Now, there is a lesson attached to it, but I'm going to tell a bit more of a story because up until now, the first six episodes, if you've been following along, have had some really clear and profound life lessons for me, you know, from being, uh, you know, discussing that we are all the same, um, not holding life hostage to change, uh, having courage, identity is subject to change, authenticity seeks itself and having that deathbed mentality these are all uh you know these were all significant lessons that i had in life and whilst i've given some stories that 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 are um more recent you know in so many ways these were some pivotal lessons that kind of led up to to this very one that i'm about to tell you and this is a rather personal um personal account but i think it i think it needs to be said and i think it i think it um It'll give a little bit more perspective, I guess, in terms of uh, who I am and another one of my, my lessons in life, but also to, to think about for yourself or for, for those people around you. This all began, I'd always felt like I was a little bit different. I'm sure many people say that, but genuinely felt like I was a little bit different. Um, you know, I started the first 10 years of my life out with acute eczema from head to toe. Um, so I spent the first 10 years of my life rather itchy, hence the name of this podcast and my book. Um, and, uh, and then over time that kind of subsided, but you know, you learn different things about yourself. And then as the years went on and once I was in high school, um, you know, I always got along with lots of people, but at the same time, I was still quite uncertain in myself. Whilst I externally, I was, I, I seemed quite confident internally. I was always really self-conscious. Um, and I always knew I just couldn't quite land 
to be the same as what I decided other people are. When we look at that space of what we call normal. So even once I was, you know, once I got to 16, 17, and, you know, I, I, was, I, was, I was dating girls and I'd always dated girls and, and, and I had a girlfriend um, f- up until I was 21, 22, um, and, and had no problems in that way of having a girlfriend and, and being with women. That was, that was fine. But there was always something missing. There was always this deep feeling inside of me that something just doesn't feel right. I can do the things that are required, but it doesn't excite me. It doesn't make me happy it doesn't do what i think it's meant to make me do but i don't know what that means um and being uh you know i was i was a a country boy for for a large portion of of my life growing up um in rural south australia and then moving up to townsville um so and it was only until i was 16 that i moved to to brisbane um and even then brisbane was always such a large country town but i i didn't even understand that there was an opposite or another option to what I was what I was feeling or what I was conditioned to feel. So in lots of ways, I, I you know, the more I felt uncertainty around any part of my sexuality, I would always justify it by saying it's just part of growing up. You know, if I ever kind of looked at someone and thought, oh, they're quite handsome or they're quite, no, it's just, you know, you just do that because you're, you're self-assessing, you're, you're deciding how you feel against other people. I also created this idea that you know i'm i'm going to find the right one i'm going to find the right woman and we're going to get married and we're going to have kids and we're going to have that you know disney's version of the white picket fence and you know it's going to be wonderful but it just felt like every time i'd get into a relationship it just wouldn't quite go wherever i thought it was meant to go and i could never be the man that they wanted me to be even though for many times you know they they would say you are but for me internally i'm like i don't feel like i am um but i didn't know what that meant and why that was the case so anyway to get to the point of the story fast forward end of where were we i think the start of 2012 and um and it was New Year's Eve and I'd just gone out with my um, brother and some friends and, and uh, we went down to the um, Storybridge Hotel. We're having a great old time down there and we ran into some friends and, you know, we we're partying and drinking and being silly. And it was, you know, it's New Year's Eve. Let's get crazy. And, um, and a girl was there who I'd been chatting to over time. We, we kind of uh, volunteered together uh, at the children's hospital and I'd kind of hung out with her a few times and, you know, she was a nice girl and she really kind of liked me, I think. And, you know, I got along with her well. I, I, but I don't know, I was just, you know, you're just lost at this point. So you're kind of like, yeah, you're kind of letting things work. And before her, I dated another woman who um, was really cool. She'd been a client of mine um, and, and then we got to know each other. But even then it just didn't quite work. And another girl who I'd worked with and it was just always this really like icky kind of like I would try but again, maybe even looking back on Authenticity Seeks itself, it, because it wasn't authentic, everything coming back just didn't quite, didn't quite cut it. So anyway, New Year's Eve, this girl there, we start dancing, having a great old time. She says, we get to midnight, difficult to get taxis. She says, I can drop you home. Great. So she drops us all home. And then, of course, it's like, well, why don't you stay and so on. Anyway, she, she stays the night. Wake up the next morning. She's leaving the house. 
my you know siblings are there they're all you know that awkward walk of shame as she leaves bye thanks so much see you nice to see you and you know everyone's oh yeah good one you know that kind of really heteronormative behavior of like really like yeah good on your mate and i just remember in that moment walking inside and back into my bedroom and i just felt empty i just felt lost and hopeless and a bit like I just did all the things I thought I was meant to do and I did them but why am I happy like why am I why am I not happy why am I not why is it why do I why am I not fulfilled like what is this is it just because it was pointless sex maybe like or maybe I just don't like her or what is it and I can't remember what it was, but I just remember it was that itch. It was probably my greatest itch, right? It was that one thing. It was like a dawning light, like a veil had been lifted. And I laid there and I think I'd been doing some journaling. And I really thought about it. And I thought, I question everything in my life. I question relationships and the work I do and the impact I want to make and the places I want to travel. And I really, I really think about these things. I'm quite a deep thinker when it comes to that. But the one area I've always justified and never allowed myself to explore had been my sexuality. And something had changed. There was a shift, there was something. And I remember writing it and I remember freaking out and thinking, fuck, what if, like, what if I'm whatever, you know, what if, what if I'm, what if I don't like women, you know, I couldn't even come to terms with saying it, right? Like, I'm like, what if I don't, what if I'm something else, whatever that might be, even though we know what that, like, but I was like, what if I'm, I'm not that. I then went through this really horrible space of trying to question myself of going, what if I'm gay? Like, what does that even mean? No, I'm not. And then I'd start kind of self-loathing. And it was this really horrible reality. And for anyone that's listening that has been through this or has come out, it's a rough place to be in, right? Like it's a dark space to be in. And, um, and it shakes the world as you know it. Like it really, it, it comes in and it rips your world apart. And all of a sudden, all the things that you've held tight on that you think you know has been ripped out from underneath you. So even accepting it yourself is the scariest thing that you can do before anyone else finds out about it. So I begin this little exploration and uh, one thing leads to another and I suddenly start to become a little bit more accepting that, okay, maybe this, who knows, it could actually be exciting. And and to this point, I hadn't really had any gay friends. So I didn't even know what, <laughs> I didn't really even know what gay meant. Like I, I, I didn't, like, I didn't think I'd seen any gay porn. Like I had, I just, I just didn't know so in my head much like when I was 18 I moved to London I didn't even know where London was was on a map I like you know embarrassing to admit that but I I remember going into SDA travel and being like where is London again by the way <laughs> pointing out but I just knew I was moving there when I was 18 um, anyway so this was one of those moments I didn't know what being gay meant I just knew I was unfulfilled in being with women and so I thought oh my god imagine if all those times I was bullied all those times I was accused of being gay what if I actually am? Like what? And why is it such a bad thing? Like why am I, well, you're gay. Like why is that, why is that a terrible thing? Anyway, it was all a lesson for me. And I go to work one day and at this point I just began working for, um, just began, no, I'd been there for a little bit. I'd started with Virgin Blue, then into Virgin Australia. And I went up to a, a woman that I knew there, um, Loz, and we were chatting away. And she happened to mention to me 
about this app. She was saying about her friend that is gay and just happened to go, oh, he's on this thing called Grinder. And I was like, Grinder, what's that? And I'm sure if anyone listening to this who is gay would find you know that quite funny. Um, anyway, so I was like, okay, what's that? And so in my head, I keep a little mental note. And then later that night or a couple of nights later, I go home and I go, oh yeah, I remember that thing she was saying. And so I have a look at it and you download it. And I remember it showing up and it was all these men on there. And I was like, oh, and I just remember freaking out. Like, what am I doing? Like, I can't identify with this. What the hell, man? And it was just, I was horrified, but I was intrigued, but I was horrified. But I was, it was tickling something, but I was horrified. You know, like it was this constant back and forth. And so... I go in there and I start chatting. You don't put a photo up. And I was very, you know, I would have been like one of those weird KG people on there kind of like wanting to talk, but not talk, but do whatever. But over time, I would like chat with people and then freak out and delete the app and then go back again. It was this gradual unfoldment, uh, you know, un- gradual unfolding of, of, of conversation and, and confidence and, and almost a little bit of acceptance. And I think the biggest challenge here is about it's the acceptance of self. It's you accepting that this is a reality that you're about to undertake. For people who can't comprehend what I'm talking about, think about if you've ever left a relationship that was the most significant relationship you think you've ever had and leaving it feels like you're actually losing a part of yourself. Now, amplify that and put it that if you were to accept this, you not only lose a relationship, there's potential that people also may not accept you for not being in that relationship. That's even a slightly remote way of being somewhat close to, to what it feels like when you're coming out. So long story short, I get chatting to a guy, a New Zealand guy, and he lives close by. I uh, chat to him quite a bit and we're kind of, you know, getting to know one another and and he was being really respectful and, you know, he he was, you know, I think he'd kind of come out, but not really. And anyway, we're both in similar situations. So we start chatting and then he says to me, why don't you come over one night and we can just hang out. I was like, yeah, that's a great idea. And I also would rather die than doing that because I can't deal with the fact that I'd even go and meet someone and say that I was remotely thinking that I'm gay. So I just was like, yeah, no, let's park that idea. Anyway, it moves all quite quickly. And then before you know it, it's like, okay, fine. I'm going to come around one night. Let's, you know, we'll organize it. I'll just drop over and, you know, please don't have anyone home and please don't tell, you know, it's this whole, like, you just have this fear attached with anybody finding out. I can't have anybody finding out because when you're so uncertain of yourself, how could you possibly have the world come in and think that they know who you are when you don't even know who you are at this point? And so I go around to his house and really nice guy and, you know, made me feel really comfortable. And he was like, come on, we'll go, <laughs> as it always goes, come on, let's go lay down. We'll like, you know, watch Netflix or something. <laughs> so you go and lay there. Anyway, without the detail, one thing leads to another. And I had my first kind of sexual interaction. As soon as I finished, I get up and just want to beeline it for the door. Just get me out of here and he was like whoa like let's just hang out it's all good and I was like yeah no, I gotta go gotta go gotta get out of here can't actually cope with it and so I get up and beeline for the door and he's like okay fine and I get out of there and then I go home and you have a shower and you're kind of like oh my god I will never do that again you know maybe I just had to get that out of the way I just had to I had to do it I just had to try it and now it's done and then it's done and that's it needless to say 
caught up with him again not too long later and then one thing leads to another before you know it you kind of build up a bit of a a reality where you can start i guess exploring sexually a little bit more without uh, i don't know having all of the 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 stresses well you know you still have the stress associated to it but you you almost have more of a desire to want to go and, and explore it more so this was in like january february whatever it was and then it continues on throughout the year and this continues on until about September, I think it was September, October, something like that. Up until this point, I have met different guys. I've been in different situations sexually, you know, put yourself, it's just ridiculous the type of things that you do when you have, um, you know, when you're first coming out, when you're so unsure about what you're doing, when sexual desire is associated to it, um, when you're suddenly getting something that you've never had before, you know, like I was doing the things I'd done before, but all of a sudden, <laughs> like all of a sudden it felt good. Like it was a, it was a, it was a reality that I hadn't had, like, oh, this is what was missing. You know, it was that type of thing. And, um, and so it was, you know, you, you kind of exploring that and, and, and you're putting yourself out. But the reality was the more that I, the closer I got to accepting that, the bigger the gap became between the life I was actually leading and the one that I was really leading. So the life I was leading to my family and to my friends, anytime I went out, I was meeting a girl or I was doing whatever. I could not, like these people, my family, who I'd built such amazing uh, relationships with, but because in my head I thought that they wanted me to be a particular type of person, to, to show up and to be in a particular way, I thought that there will be no other option. Um, even though I knew that they loved me so much, but I thought, well, it's impossible because once I become whatever this person is, they won't because it's, you know, I guess there's still parts of you that think because of the narrative that sits around us, society, you know, from a societal perspective that it's wrong, like everything's wrong and I shouldn't be doing this and who am I and all that sort of thing. So we get to the, you know, nine months later, like a pregnancy and I have been in a weird kind of relationship at this point with this guy, you know, kind of seeing each other. Um, he equally had all of his own realities kind of going on for himself. So it wasn't necessarily a healthy relationship. It was just a relationship of sorts. Um, and sadly, the gap between me and that guy who would go and have these weird, you know, relationships with this guy over here and the the reality that I was kind of living from work and with my family and, and the stories that you tell, the gap was huge. And that gap is one of my biggest lessons, but also one of the darkest places I think I've been. And, um, and again, for anyone listening that may have experienced it as well, it's a really, truly dark place. And if I had to try and explain why, I think it's because you're peering over the edge of the unknown in the deepest sense of whatever the unknown is. You know, it is, it is, um, you know, your identity is subject to changes I've spoken about before, but this was a type of change that felt so fundamental because you're also having to re learn and re-engage and kind of meet again yourself. Like, who is this person, you know? And throughout this experience, there was so much judgment, like 
on myself. You know, I'd go into situations or I'd meet people or I'd do things and I would just self-loathe afterwards. Like I would be like, who are you? Why are you doing this? But it's amazing how when your values aren't fully aligned there because you haven't made the, you haven't been able to get to a point where you are able to make it whole again. So your values, your moral compass, all of these things are out of whack because you don't even know who you are. So how can you have something guiding you when you don't even know who you are and what it is that you want guiding you? And where is that even guiding you to, you know? Um, so I remember so many times it was, it was this, it was this kind of frustration at yourself that you're kind of going, I don't even know where I am in the world right now compounded by a looming reality that I have to at some point tell people. I'm going to have to own up to this because guess what? In this process, I've actually realized that there's a part of me that's that's really happy over here. Now, it's not right yet, but it's because there's a huge piece of authenticity lacking because there's all this other kind of deceit, I guess, that's happening at that time because I haven't been honest fully to myself and to my family and to those close to me. And so because I haven't pulled anyone in and, and let them know, you know, the gap is, is overwhelming. Another part to it, I guess, in terms of my own character is that I am, uh, you know, I, I will kind of really go inwards and really reflect and really churn over things until I've made the right decision. Um, and this one, I couldn't quite get to the point where I wanted it, like where I could take ownership and go, right, this is what I'm going to do. And so it led to one night when my sister came out, uh, my sister and my brother-in-law, I was living with my sister and brother-in-law and we were sat at the dinner table and um, we're chatting away and I was just in a bad headspace. Like people would say anything and I would get upset by it. And I think at that point, the guy that I'd kind of been seeing, he and I had had an argument. So I was feeling like crap because of that as well. And it was just all these things, like just, just, falling one after the other and one on top of the other until eventually your shoulders are so weighed down and your heart is so heavy um, and the world feels so difficult. It doesn't matter what privileged position you're in. It doesn't matter what part of the world or when, when it comes to this identity, it's this human experience where it is overwhelming. Um, and it's the only way I can describe it. And I was upset and I think they made a joke or they said something about being gay and it wasn't even directed at me. <laughs> like that's how dumb it was. And I got really upset and I just walked off into my room and my sister came in there and she was like, what is going on? Like, what is wrong with you? And I was like, doesn't matter. Like, don't worry about it. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. She's like, you're not, you've been really weird. Something's up. Just talk to me. And I was like, no, 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 I can't. And it got to this critical point where and I'd said it the whole time and I've said it in relationships and I say it to many people near me based on my relationship. I always say, you've got a, my mom and my sister, two very important people. My family are all very important. My brothers, my dad, everyone's important. But my mom, my sister and I have lived together the most and have a real connection. And, you know, when, when my family kind of all broke up, it was the three of us that were living together. And, you know, you, you just have that little, those rocks. And I remember thinking, if these two don't accept it, I actually, I actually don't know how I'm going to continue on. Like it's, it just, it was just too much for me. Anyway, so she's sitting there. She's like, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving your room. I'm not leaving your room. Look, you have to talk to me. And it went on and on and on until eventually I went, I don't know. I just don't want to talk about it. And she's like, what? And I said, I just feel like maybe that I don't like women anymore. And she looked at me and she went, oh, 
really? And I went, yeah, but I don't want to talk about it. And she went, no, no, it's fine. Okay. And then, and then it kind of like led out to this conversation. I said, and I just don't want you to tell you because I don't want you not to love me. And I don't want you and mum not to love me. And I just um bursting into tears and I was just sitting there crying going like please if I tell you this then you're just not gonna love me and if you don't love me I don't know what I can do and she starts crying and then we're sitting there and then she looks at me and she's like but that's it you just you just don't like girls anymore like you like guys and I was like I don't know I think so and she went but that's it and I went what do you mean that's it (laughs) and she was like it's okay. Why would I not love you because of that? And then we both just start bawling our eyes out. And she's just like, you're my brother. Like, I love you no matter what. Like, just because you've changed your mind around that, who cares? Who gives a shit? And it was the most liberating and scary and overwhelming. And it was just full on. It was just a huge moment. And I remember sitting there and I was like, really? She's like, yeah. And so we start talking it out and I tell her a bit about how I've got here and where I'm at. And, you know, it was just a wonderful exchange and, you know, we're still crying and, and she kind of looks at me and she's like, you know, you're my brother. I love you. I'm never going, not going to love you. And I'm just so sorry that you've gone through this and that you haven't told me that you have had to experience this on your own, because that's the part that, um, upsets me the most that you would think that I couldn't be there for you you know and when I think back at that that's a part that I think my heart really hurts for anyone else going through the same experience is that you feel so alone you know and it's the hardest thing it's a fundamental human need is to to be connected to feel that we're part of something and to feel that you're ostracized in such a way is it's just heartbreaking. So anyway, we wrap it up. And at the end of the conversation, she kind of looks at me and she says, so like, what's your type? Like, what do you like? And I go, Rachel, now is not the time. Now is not the time. And she just starts laughing. And so we leave it there. And, uh, and so anyway, I, I go, okay, that, that was okay. And if, if my sister's okay with it, that's, that's one of two. Um, surely my mom will be okay. And so Next couple of days, mum comes over and she was like, oh, Luke, I hear you've been a little bit, you know, down lately. Do you want a healing? So she does Palo healing. So mum gives me a healing. She, we, I lay down and it's, just, it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like Reiki, but um, so it's non-contact and you send over its energy healing. Anyway, so she does the healing. It's like 20 minutes. At the end of the healing, she sits up and she goes, whoa, lots going on, huh? And I was like, yeah. And that kind of, leads into a conversation i can't remember how it got there but you know one thing led to another and i just said yeah look i'm in a bit of a bad space and i've got something i want to tell you but again i'm afraid to tell you because i don't want you not to love me and she and she looks at me she just goes how could you think i couldn't love you like are you crazy and um and I was like, I just don't think she goes, so what is it? You like blokes? And I was like, yeah, so that's how you want to put it. And she goes, I don't give a, I don't give a shit what you do behind closed doors. If that's who you choose that you want to love, then you can love them. That's fine. But please don't ever think that I'm not going to love you. And, and we sit there and we cry together. And I was just like, I, it's been bad, mum. Like, I just, I don't know who I am. I don't know what I'm doing. And, um... And then she, 
she looks at me and, and we kind of talk it through a bit more. I can't remember the details, but we get to this one point and she says, hey, can I just ask one thing of you? And I went, yeah, of course. Like, you've been amazing. Like, absolutely. What do you need? Thinking maybe we don't tell these people or do whatever. You know, you don't know what she's going to ask. And she goes, can you just remember that you are more than just your sexuality? And you have always been more than just your sexuality. You are a combination. You are a combination of so many wonderful things. And that is what makes you, you. So please, I know it's a big deal. I know it's, you're in a, you know, I know this is a really big deal right now, but it doesn't define you. It's not who you are. It's part of who you are. And I remember sitting there in that moment and thinking, this is actually really, this is really profound information, mom. Thank you. <laughs> like, I, really, I really appreciate that. And, um, and so I kind of went, yeah, I can, absolutely. I can remember that. I'll absolutely do that for you. And I came out of that conversation and, uh, and that was it. They were my two, they were my two, like, they were my two people. They were the people that I needed to know. And then, so what happened after that was just, uh, this part of me came back, this real authentic part of me that went, do you know what? Yeah, it's okay. It's different, but I've always been different and it's authentic. And that's what I always crave being is authentic. And I don't know what it looks like, but I certainly know that once I can take ownership over it, then that changes everything that I do. And so I then took over and, you know, the Luke logical part of me kicked in all of a sudden because the, the, the emotional angst was slowly being lifted. And I thought, right, I'm going to find, I'm going to go to all of my closest mates. So people who I'm really close to, and I'm going to let them know, I'm going to give them the opportunity to hear the story and to, um, have an opportunity to be able to digest it and also see how that helps them because this is a big change of identity. It also means it's a big change for them as well. And I, I love and respect them enough. And if they choose otherwise, that that's their prerogative. But now I know I've got my mum, my sister on my side, I can handle this. Um, and so I set it up over the next two weeks. I had one-to-one, you know, one-on-one kind of dinners and dates with um, close friends of mine and just let them know. And the really interesting part about when you come out is there's a sense of authenticity and a real sense of vulnerability. And that vulnerability demands vulnerability from the other person. And so I had the most wonderful conversations with people during that time. I had people tell me their deepest, darkest secrets. I had people tell me their most vulnerable um moments and their their not their weaknesses but the weaknesses that people have 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 placed on them by questioning or judging their identity or who they are and it was such a incredibly it was such an incredibly powerful and um privileged place to sit after going through such darkness to be sat there and met with other people to kind of say you know what we're all battling with something and that's it at the end of the day. And I know these things can feel really, really overwhelming and big, um, but, but it's not like, it's not going to define who you are. It's just defining part of who you are and it's important and it needs to be honored, but 
but you're also still Luke and you're also still the dude who loves traveling and who does all these volunteer stuff and who, you know, tries really hard at doing his work really well and loves his writing and, you know, wants to come hang out with us. Like there's all these other parts to you. And this is just one of the threads of that DNA. I had these conversations with everyone. It slowly eased my heart and the pain and the difficulty that was. And then I could slowly start to come out to more and more people. Um, the relationships that I'd built during that time began to break down as I should, because when you're not authentic, you're not seeking authentic relationships in response. I had a real sense of power and control back again, where I went and sat with these people to say, you know, with different people, friendships, or even, you know, with that guy that I was dating to kind of go, Hey, do you know what, whatever this is, I would never sign up for it normally. And the only reason I did sign up for it is because I was in a bad place too. I want you to be in a good place. I can't be in this place, so let's cut it. But if you want to keep talking and you want help and to be my friend, I'm totally there for you. But whatever this is, it's not healthy and it needs to end right now. And it was such an empowering and liberating feeling to feel that. And I think, you know, when I look back on it and I look at the coming out and there's, you know, there's plenty more that kind of rolls out after it and plenty more things before. But for me, this was the moment. And this was a moment where I really went and and um, got to see the true me again. And I got to take back a, a, a bit of that control and, 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 and take back that. And really, I guess, stand in that authenticity it was when my mom said this. Um, and I've used it since, you know, I've, I've spoken to another woman whose son was, you know, she thought might come out and I told her this story. And when they did, she told him the same story as well. And there's something empowering about that. And I think the reason I share this is it is a big part of who, who I am and where I've come from. Um, it doesn't define me, but it certainly defines the people I'm with, the, the relationships I have, the views I might hold. Um, and I think it's really important that people understand and see that. And for anyone out there who is listening to this and maybe, you know, you haven't experienced this, but you've experienced a different form of, of this adversity for yourself, or maybe you, someone close to you has, or maybe no one has yet, but who knows what your future looks like. Empathy, love, compassion, the reminder that we are all human is so required. Irrelevant of what deeper thoughts people might have on this, isn't it better just to love someone for the sake of loving them so that they can be whoever it is they're planning to be, to whoever it is they choose to be, whoever it is they are authentically born to be. Um, I guess a, a, a reminder that you are more than your sexuality in as much as you are more than your job, in as much as you are more than just being a mother or a father or a sister or a brother or a wife or a husband. You are more than these things. It is part of you and you honor that, but you are more than those things. And it's a great reminder in all things that we do that we are more than just one thing. This did definitely define a huge part of my life, but it does not solely define who I am today. And it has certainly been the grounding point, I guess, for a lot of the, the writings and work that I've done so far. And I guess in terms of setting a tone of who I am and, and, and you know, where we keep moving forward after that. So that is one part of me. There is a call for you to remember that you are more than just one part of you as well. And, uh, and I hope that we can um, all continue together to, to remember that and to honor that within ourselves and to know that we are, we are all just trying to be the best versions of, of who we are. I'm Luke Evans. Thanks for listening to Itch. <laughs>